Hello and welcome to the Get It Straight podcast. This is Jason Sorotin. I'm here at AAO 2022 with my co-host Judd Johns. Judd, how are you? Oh, I'm really good. Oh, it's nice to hear you. You're going to have to speak up a little bit today, okay? Okay. A little loud. I'll do better for you. (laughs) On the show today, we have Joe Globerman from Ormco. Joe, thanks for being here. What do you do at Ormco? Jason, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. So I lead global product management for Ormco on the core side, wires and brackets. Very cool. And we have Malika Singh. Thank you for having me. From... Maverick Dental Systems. I'm their marketing director. Let's get into it. Today we're going to be talking about product development uh, in orthodontics and the evolution. And Judd, you're really going to have to take the reins of leading this conversation. Then I'll ask questions because you are the expert. For the audience's benefit, can you give your background in product development? So I worked with Joe Globerman, a.k.a. Big Smoke, and Malika Singh, a.k.a. Singh Sang. For, for many years uh, at Ormco Orthodontics, and we developed together uh, many great products uh, with our clinical advisors, including uh, some names that people know, like Dr. Dwight Damon, Dr. Stu Frost, Dr. Todd Bovenizer, some really important uh, people in the community. And, and I think a lot of people out there really aren't familiar with what it takes to put together a, a, a product development process and to develop a product um, in orthodontics. There's a lot of people behind the scenes. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. It's a lot of collaboration between multiple teams. I think this will be a very fascinating episode for a lot of listeners because we got two very, very strong products, people here, and they were both involved in some very important launches um, some upstream, some downstream for Ormco, including the Damon Q2 bracket. Symmetry bracket and the Damon Ultima bracket. So uh, you're 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 at the tip of the spear if you want to know how it works today. Well, be, considering uh, that I don't know much about that portion of the business, I am really curious. So where does it start? Does it start with somebody coming to the room with an idea? Do you get a call from on high? How does it work? Malika. You know, there are many different ways where, or I would say outlets from where ideas come from. It could come from a doctor. It could come from a product manager. It could really come from a scientist. Anybody can come up with an idea, um, but that idea has to be vetted internally to see if it's even feasible to move forward. And then once that happens, Joe, once they say, okay, this is a good idea, and I'm sure there's some heavy vetting during that process, like, let's start there. How many of the ideas that get to the vetting actually get and become a product? Oh, man, that's a great question. If I had a dime for every great idea that came to me from people all across the globe, I'd be a rich man. Um, So, I mean, the first thing you have to do is really around strategy, right? Um, As an organization, you have to take your strategy, your roadmap, where you want to go, not just today, not just next year, but where do you want to be in five years? Triangulate that around where the industry is going, right? Because just because Ormco wants to go a certain direction, if the industry is going a different direction, if Ormco isn't going that direction too, we're going to be left out. And so it's really marrying your corporate strategy and the industry strategy and these ideas to create a roadmap, right? And within that roadmap, okay, these are the top three things that we want to work on, that we want to get better at. 
in that next period of time. And so that's where it starts. And then once you get past that, and once you've identified these are what we want to work on, then you get into the feasibility testing. Technically, is this even possible, right? So a lot of times there might be eight good ideas on the table, but some of them don't fit into your long-term strategies. And like, you just let those go out into the ether or do they get shelved? Like, how do you, do you keep a backlog? Yeah, so we have something that we call a parking lot. Um, and, and if something isn't on the immediate priority list, it goes onto the parking lot. Because we're in an industry where, I mean, you look around this hall here, things are rapidly changing. I mean, I started in sales at Ormco uh, in 2008, right? And there was one aligner company in 2008. And you go around this hall and I don't know how many aligner companies there are here. Like you, you can't count it on two hands and two feet. Um, passive self-ligation, which is something that Ormco dominates with the Daemon system, right? 2008, we launched a bracket called Daemon Q. We were the one bracket in that space built like that. You walk around this trade show hall, there's gonna be 25 competitors in that space that ripped off that Damon Q design, right? That we started on. So um, it's just a it's just a remarkably fast changing industry, as is everything. Um, and so just because something doesn't work today, you might partner with a research institution that allows you to figure something out that allows you to maybe do it tomorrow. So you don't you don't just get rid of those ideas, but it, it's good to keep them. Malika, has there been a project that you've worked on where you? thought it was going to be awesome and it just went the other way? You know, one thing I want to say about that is um, as a product manager, your job is is to not kind of go with an idea that you like. You have to go with ideas that the industry is going to want or where there's a gap that needs to be filled. So I've never personally worked on a project that I thought, hey, I want to do this, but it's not going to be successful. My job is to is to run with an idea that meets the need of the customer, right? It's not about what we want. So usually as a product manager, your job is to stay neutral and look at the facts, use the data to see if this is the right solution that you want to move forward with. And not all ideas, 90% of ideas that are thrown our way don't make it through, like Joe said. Um, and a lot of the times, those ideas, you're not going to move forward with them, but you may save them for IP. A lot, of, a lot of companies out there, they'll file patents with an idea that they know isn't going to work, but it keeps the competition out. So as far as you know, working on something that I wanted to see go through, it's, I've never been put in that position because it's, it's how you look at an idea. It's not about what you want. Where, where do you guys think product development is moving? Like you said, Joe, there are so many innovations happening, and I mean, the scale of this event is crazy. What What is next in, in product development? Where are people taking it? You know, I think we're going to get to the place where we can transport from here to a different location. No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> I was like buying into it. I'm like, yes, tell me more. I, I, I really think, I mean, just like you've seen with any technology that's been coming, right? I mean, look, look, just look at the auto industry, right? And I mean, look at what um, I heard someone say the other day that, you know, Al Gore has talked about climate change for the past 20 years, but what Elon Musk does is actually changing the climate for the better, right? And Elon Musk in a short period of time, as much as Al Gore has talked. Um, so, I mean, I, I really think the sky's the limit here, but to me, I see everything going digital. 
right? And digital infrastructure that allows for digital workflow. You know, we're in an industry where the tactical products that we make are probably, they can be innovated a little bit more, but we're just talking little incremental gains when it comes to brackets and wires, when it comes to aligners. So the true efficiencies to be gained are through digital workflows, right? Are through practice management, marketing, and how you tie everything together into a package um, and, and use technology to optimize it. And so I really see that's where the industry's going. That's a lot of what we're focusing on at Ormco, right? Even though our bread and butter is brackets and wires and aligners, um, that digital space is what to me is personally really attractive. When I was at, uh, when we were at Ormco together, one of the biggest pieces of the equation is the segmentation work that we have to do. And something changed in right around 2008 with the, the customer segmentation. And you know, Ormco, Ormco's mantra is your practice, our priority, which is, they're, they're true to form on that. They're, they're world class and the best. But in 2008, everyone's, there was a redirect to the patient by way of Invisalign. And this is a very important piece of the equation. I'm interested, Joe, uh, Malika, what's your take on this where, like how do you think about the patient and also consider the orthodontist inside of the same equation with your segmentation work? To me, the patient is the one that's really driving the decision making, but not a lot of companies act on that because it requires a lot of marketing dollars to market directly to the patient. A company really took advantage of that, Invisalign. They were the only ones that were really focusing on marketing towards the patient. They did well. They're a you know, multi-billion dollar company now. But um, for me, I think patients are paying more attention to aesthetics, right? They're paying more attention to how they look and they're really driving the decision making of what type of product they want. That's why you see patients asking for aligners. So for me, especially in the role that I'm at, at Maverick Dental Systems, the patients at the end of the day, they dictate what they want. That gets funneled up to the doctor, right? Whether it's a dentist, an orthodontist, and then if the product's not working well or it's not meeting their need, you're gonna hear that directly from the dentist or the orthodontist. So for me, listening to the patient is even more important than paying attention to what your customers want because ultimately the patient is the one who's going to be using the product. Yeah, it's, it's all, there's a shift in control of care that we've talked about in a couple episodes, Jay, and, and you know, who owns the care, really. And, you know, the, the orthodontist, we all believe, should, should drive the care. Um, but you have to think that in right around 2008, when Invisalign went after the patient, they got bucked. Like the orthodontist did not like that when that happened in 2008. They got a lot of pushback on that. But they stayed to it and it worked. And finally it happened bottoms up. It was a very longitudinal play and it worked. But it could have gone hard left instead of right had they not doubled down and stayed committed to the patient. It seems to me that they knew, they knew to focus on ego. You know, if they could just convince the consumer that, you know, without a great smile, you're screw I mean, it was brilliant. Yeah, and when you think about that, right, when you start marketing your product directly to the patient, what is the patient going to do? They're going to go to the orthodontist or the dentist, and they're going to ask for that product. And if you generate enough volume or enough patients to go and ask for that, 
you're essentially forcing the doctor to have that offering. Absolutely, like your product, Maverick. As soon as I heard about it, I was like, I have to have this. It's, it's a way to get tooth whitening with less sensitivity. I was like, I need that. And I will request that because it's what I want because I have that problem where my teeth are very sensitive. So absolutely. And I think that that trend can continue. And maybe, maybe we shouldn't go in the opposite direction of that. Maybe we should start digging into that and more people should be marketing to the consumer because the rising tide is going to lift all the ships just like they have with Smile Direct Club and the other, you know, B2C companies. In your guys' head, those, those companies that are coming in that don't have that orthodontic support, from a product development side, what part of the equation do you think that they're missing? Oh, Jason, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, I mean, the crux of what we do, the core of, in my opinion, product management is around customer insights, right? And so if you enter the space without an expertise or, or maybe it doesn't even have to be an expertise, but if you don't have an idea of this industry, because this is such a niche industry, this is such a nuanced industry. I mean, this is a small world, right? This industry. 10,000 orthos. I come to this meeting and I've been in it for 14 years and I know people at booth after booth after booth. And I know doctors from probably all 50 states. And then when you go international, probably in other 50 countries. Um, and, and, and just that innate knowledge of the industry and the trends, I think, is really hard to replicate for somebody coming externally. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of the, a lot of the tech, I mean, with software, software, right? You know, uh, manufacturing's manufacturing. So I'm not saying that everybody has to have that tie to the industry, but I think it's going to be really hard if you see people just coming in as part of the money grab, right? Because... What's also changed is like, this is a big money industry now. I mean, the, the venture capital money you see flooding in some of the investments in some of these startup companies, it's significant. And so it's got the, uh, it's got the attention of Wall Street, it's got the attention of VCs, it's got the attention of private equity. Um, but you know, I still think you, know, you can't engineer that expertise out of the industry, right? And you gotta find that balance between a tie to what has worked and a tie to like the nature of what this is, um, but then also the future and technology and software. And I, I don't think it's tough to do. What do you think about what Judd's doing? Because he kind of like crosses that center line with on-demand orthodontist. Oh, I thought you meant drinking too much. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe. Uh oh, Judd and, I, Judd and I go way back. Episode two won't be happening. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I lo you know, first off, I worked with Judd for at least a good 10 years, right, in, yeah. in, a, in a capacity where we were sales reps together, um, we were product managers together, and then I reported in to Judd. And so, you know, I've, I've gotten the pleasure of becoming good friends with him outside of work. You know, he's one of the people I've worked with for years that I consider a friend. Um, I slept at his house in New Orleans during the Super Bowl. Uh, not, not just me, I brought my brother, I brought... Uh, Another friend and then another friend. So four of us stayed at Judd's house during the Super Bowl. Um, you know, pretty much on demand. Um, and so, you know, you know, Judd's an on-demand type of guy. So it, did, it yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't surprise me when I started hearing about on-demand orthodontics. But, um, you know, I mean, at, to me, one of the things that it does that's great is it's just accessibility, right? All of a sudden, you're expanding the markets where you can go with orthodontic therapy. 
right? And, and we all know how important orthodontic therapy is when it comes to overall patient health, when it comes to self-esteem. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. Like we found some ways to partner with Ormco and with Invista, with Judd and, and with Dr. Warford. So it's fun to be able to stay close. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes. And, you know, I think uh, I'm betting on Judd because if Judd grows and Dr. Warford grows and ODO grows, it'll allow for Ormco to grow. So it, it's cool to see. I love that. Judd, just for people who haven't heard about it, what are you doing with on-demand orthodontists? We are a virtual associate and team for orthodontists. Um, my partner, Dr. John Warford, is a, a liner super user of Spark Aligners. Uh, we love that product. He's a true believer in it. Um, Dr. John and team do the diagnostics, the treatment planning, the case design, and the patient monitoring. We also leverage dental monitoring to do that. So we're overseeing those cases, and the responsibility of the partner orthodontist is to approve the case to their liking, um, to take off composite, to do IPR, and uh, to relax, ultimately. And so, you know, we're, we're quite literally a virtual associate and team. That's really cool. Uh, what is the coolest project you've ever done? The thing that you're most proud about? You know, there's many projects I've worked on, uh, but one that I'm really proud of, it's part of Ormco, is Damon Q2. The, the reason behind that is, uh, as a product manager within the orthodontic industry or any medical device company, it takes years to launch a product. Not months, it takes years. And when you're with that specific product or project from start to finish, it's very fulfilling to see something that started on a piece of paper and eventually became an idea and then eventually a product that is sold to people and they like using it, that's the part that's fulfilling. But to actually be on a project from start to finish, um, if you're not with a company for that long, a lot of people don't get to experience that. But if you're with Ormco for a very long time, like Joe here, <laughs> you have the ability to experience that and you have the ability to feel fulfilled. So for me, I would say Damon Q2 that Ormco is selling is probably one of the corporate products or projects that I've worked on that I'm very, very proud of. And I will say that that product that Malika developed and launched has been a tremendous success at Ormco. We launched it in late 2017, and I don't think I'm sharing proprietary information here, um, but last year it sold over $80 million. And so to think about something like that, to launch a product and in short four years, build it into an $80 million brand, that, that's pretty impressive. And I don't know too many people who can say that they've launched a product that in that short amount of time has sold $80 million. So it's a testament to Malika Singh. Uh, I think it's also a testament to, to, to Ormco, uh, the brand we have, and then just the doctors. And so it's, it's cool. You know, it's uh, just a fun little color on that. So Malika and I did international travel. So Joe made a really good point earlier, which is, you know, having to understand the, the user needs in various areas and regions. And Malika and I flew to Milan, Madrid, Amsterdam, God. Where, where Germany. Do, yeah, I mean, we, we were, it was, a, it was a road tour and she was doing focus groups with orthodontists in every single one of these countries to try and understand their needs. And this is all that went into the bracket. And that, you know, that ties back to 
understanding what the need is in the market. What do your customers want? Who is buying your product? Where are they located? Are these doctors only in the U.S.? Are they international? So if your product is being sold around the world, you can't just pay attention to the needs of the doctors in the U.S. The needs for a doctor, say, in a different country could be slightly different. You need to learn how to incorporate that into the product and how to balance out what you're hearing from customers to figure out how to create a product out of that. Cool, cool addendum to this. So she started it, Joe finished it. This is, they quite literally, I mean, you, you were on it for what, five years? Yeah. So Malika yeah. was on it for five years. Joe comes into product, and I think at that time you had departed. That's correct. And, and then, I got to launch it. He got to yeah, launch it. He got, got to talk, talk about learning product <laughs> management on the fly, right? Getting dropped in PM and then launching Damon Q2. Woo! Yeah. It's a cool experience, though, right? I mean, just a, definitely a learning experience getting thrown to the fire. Um, but did you, know, you Wait, did you just bail and they had to bring Joe in? <laughs> <laughs> no, Joe was already considered a candidate. No, I, I wanted to make sure, you know, he had a good start to his product management career. <laughs> had, had Malika not gotten fired, I would never be in product management. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Malika left. She did not get fired. It was amicable. <laughs> <laughs> so with product development and, you know, the advances in technology and saying that it's going digital, the people who are in school studying for this now, any advice for them on how to take what they've done in college and put it to real world use? Yeah, I'm going to start here. One thing that people get wrong when they go into product development, whether they're in an engineering role or a marketing role or a product management role is they always put a deadline or time at the forefront versus developing something correctly. You need to really create a lot of prototypes to get feedback. If you see a slight problem in the product that you're developing, you need to address that right away. You can't ignore that. Believe it or not, a majority of companies out there, no matter how established they are, they get that wrong. And many times they'll launch a product without paying attention to the details because they need to hit a deadline or hey, this was supposed to be out yesterday or last year, we need to get it out. When you do that, you cause a lot more problems for the company because a, sl a small problem that you're seeing during an evaluation or a prototype phase, that explodes tenfold when you start launching it out to customers. So my best advice is you want to make sure when you're in product development to create many prototypes and pay attention to every single detail or type of feedback that you hear from customers and make sure you test that out thoroughly before you go and launch a product. You don't want to put a deadline ahead of testing. But who sets the deadlines? Does that come from on high? Or are you saying yeah. as, as the product development manager that you set the deadline? No, usually for any big company, I would say, or even a small company, it comes from the management team, right? Usually you'll have a president, a CEO. You may have a board of directors, too, that you have to report into. Um, so a date is established generally from the group, you know, managing the company. Product manager definitely has some feedback into that, but it's usually a, a company decision. So you have to balance out your responsibility as a product manager is to make sure expectations are set appropriately. And you're being realistic and you are also keeping the company that you're working for in check 
by telling them, hey, slow down a little bit. You know, I know you want to hit a deadline, but we really need to test this out. Otherwise, this could be a problem when it launches. This happens in software all the time. Things are released because they set a date. I just wonder, you know, in the scale of the business that you're operating in, how do you push back? Because sometimes there's so much riding on those dates. But we all know, people who create things, shit happens. And you're right. Like, but how do you how do you push back without without putting yourself in a bad situation where you lose your job? You know, I think I think Joe and Judd can attest to this because they're pretty well established, especially at Ormco. Um, you really have to establish credibility as a product manager, and you have to make sure you're, you're trustworthy. You have to build relationships with the people that you work with. But being a transparent and honest product manager is what gains you credibility and you leverage that to make sure you're helping the company stay on the right path. I work for a small startup. Maverick Dental Systems isn't the size of Ormco. Um, I work ver- with a very small group, but it's no different working with this group than with you know the, the group that I used to work with, the management team at Ormco. It's your responsibility when you're in a product management role to make sure you're giving all of the facts up front to the team. How do you do that, Joe? What is your, what is your how, how do you fight for what you know is right? You know, it, it's, it's interesting, but I mean, to me, it, to me it's simple, right? Um, you can do so much damage if you launch something and it's not ready, right? I mean, the damage that you can do is irreparable in a lot of cases because we've got one shot, right? You talk about getting a, a competitive customer to try your product, change what they're doing in their office. That's a big investment. In addition to the cash outlay, right, of what they're going to have to buy from us to try to switch, it's change, right? And it's not just changing your clinical workflow. It's changing your staff workflow. It's changing your scheduling, right? So all of these things stack up. And if we drop the ball because we're not ready, because we were rushing and nobody had the courage to stand up and say, hey, we can't do this now or else we're gonna fall flat on our face, you're gonna alienate your customers and then you're not gonna have that opportunity to get back into that account for years, if not ever. And so, I mean, to me, it's a pretty black and white, right? And you just gotta be able to have the courage to stand up in front of the leadership team and tell that story. Um, and and that's what I like about product management, right? We, are, we really are relied on um, at Ormco and, and just in general in product management, like you are the expert, you know. Um, my old boss who hired me into product management when we were going into meetings with the executive team said, don't ever forget that you know more than anybody else in the world about what you manage and your products, right? And I, I, I took that away and I, I, I took that to heart, like I do, right? I'm the foremost expert at what we're managing at Ormco in the world, right? And so when I say something, uh, it should be taken seriously and I'm gonna fight for it. And so that's kind of how I look at it. But it's it's always a fun conversation, right? Because there's always always the business getting involved and the business needs and we're a publicly traded company. So it's uh, it's always healthy. Malika, can you tell me about, um, you know, what is, what is Maverick Systems? What are you guys doing? How are you guys changing the space? And what's next for you guys? And how do we learn about it? So Maverick Dental Systems actually is an Israeli-based company, but we now have headquarters in Irvine. It was started by two dentists, and 
their focus was to um, introduce automation into oral care. So right now, automation exists within the orthodontic and dental industry, but in terms of actually providing a treatment to a patient, that's still very manual. So they were looking to create efficiencies. What we do is we have a product called TheraSmile. It's an automated system. And the idea is to provide multiple treatments through this console, kind of like a Keurig. A Keurig, right, gives you tea, gives you coffee, gives you hot chocolate. It's the same thing with what we have. Right now, um, we're providing an in-office whitening treatment that's automated. It uses hydration to mitigate sensitivity, which is a very, very big side effect of people who have had an in-office whitening treatment that they experience. So that's, again, this goes back to talking about patient needs, right? We were talking about that a while ago. That's why for me, uh, paying attention to what the patient wants is very important. That drives the decision-making for the product that we're developing and ultimately, that is what a dentist is gonna want. So we're really focused on automation and we're focused on meeting the patient need, which ultimately will meet the dentist's need. So right now it's an in-office treatment. Eventually we're looking to provide a hygiene treatment and a perio treatment. That's really cool. How, how can people find out or learn more about this? What's your web address? Our website is maverickdental.com. We have a we have an Instagram, we have Facebook. You can find us on social media. You can check us out, you know, on our website. And right now we're a startup company, so we've been getting this out in the market. It launched in January and it's seen quite a bit of success. That's amazing. Congrats. And that's Maverick Dental Systems. That's M-A-V-R-I-K Dental Systems. And you can check them out online on Facebook and Instagram. Malika, thanks for being on the show today. Joe, tell me about what's happening at Ormco. What big launches you guys got coming up? What do you guys got cooking for the rest of 2022? Uh, we've, we've got a lot. I'm telling you, it's an exciting time at Ormco, um, not just from the perspective of product launches, but you know, we are, the, we are the only company in the industry that has the premium aligner solution and the premium self-ligation solution with Damon Ultima and with Spark. Um, and, and, and so a lot of what we're doing is just, you know, figuring out how we work together, right? Because we want to be that one source of truth, that partner for the orthodontist. So there, there's a lot coming in that arena, and it's really exciting being part of that. Um, and, then, and then really right now we're just on the core side commercializing Ultima, right? We had a soft launch with the Damon Ultima system last year. Um, the results that clinicians are seeing have exceeded all of our expectations, you know, truly belief around the company and, and it's starting to bubble up in the industry um, that, that we've figured out how to control torque, we figured out how to control angulation, we figured out how to control rotation and are doing it better than better than anything else that's out there by far. So, um, you know, we're just gonna keep pounding that drum, keep pounding the spark drum. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're saddled up and, and tied to Invista, which is our parent company, which gives us scale. Uh, we, we completed an acquisition to CareStream earlier this year, so now we have an intraoral scanner. Um, and so we're just, gonna, we're just gonna keep moving into the future, and you know, I see a lot of exciting things coming at Ormco and at Invista. To learn more about Ormco, go to ormco.com. Joe Globerman, Malika Singh, thank you so much. Judd, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Jay. Thanks thank for you. having us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. On behalf of Brain Bites Creative, the on-demand orthodontist and Brain Bites Creative, yep, 
I'm going to do that end again, Stephen. On behalf of the on-demand orthodontist, Brain Bites Creative, and the Get It Straight Podcast, I'm Jason Sroden. We'll see you next time.